right, how we doing Porch tonight? Porch, Houston, Porch, Austin, Porch, Cincinnati, Porch, Northwest Arkansas, and welcome, of course, to my friends tonight here at Porch Dallas. Let's do this. We are in night four of fortune telling, where if you haven't been tracking with us, we are not uh, telling you your fortune. We cannot do that, but we are looking at words from the past, AKA what we've said is God's word, the only reliable words and what they have to say about your fortune or your future, because there is only one person, one being who knows what your future holds and his name is God. And that's who we're pointing you to tonight. So we sit around and we ask, hey, what do we think people would wanna know right now? So before I get to tonight's question, like I do every week, just a little bit of public shaming. Uh, It was summer of 2013. There I was with my best friends, my bros, Uh, staying in our college town, which if you've ever stayed in your college town during the summer, it is just such a dream. The place is empty, becomes a ghost town. I went to SFA, Axum Jacks, and uh, Nacogdoches doesn't have much to offer, but if you're with the right people, it's kind of a good time. So I'm in Nacogdoches, Texas. We are sitting there, and uh, a family from church said, hey, y'all can live up in our second story make it a bachelor pad. There was a ping pong table. The mom was like, I'll cook for y'all every single night in East Texas home-cooked meal. We're like, score, this is amazing, rent-free, best summer ever, until it wasn't. It was Memorial Day, the first official day of summer. We all decide, let's go out to the lake, um, Lake Nacogdoches. And it was there in the nasty knack that we go tubing for a few hours. We get back to the lake house and this guy, I mean, he is such a character, uh, he's like, I built me my own zip line. Y'all see it up there? And I'm like, oh, that's nice. I want nothing to do with that. And he was like, y'all should give it a try. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I should let you know that my friends uh, this summer had to all be in town because they were all football players at SFA. I was the video guy for the team. That was my job. And so I'm not like them, but they're all like, yeah, this is awesome. But I want to tell you, this is like redneck one-on-one zip line. This is not strap in like, Click, check, 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 sending them. It's not that. It is handlebars on a cable. And at the bottom are three tennis balls. And you go up about a 15-foot bank, shallow water, ground underneath. And then you climb a ladder. And when you get to the top of the ladder, the top step that it says, do not get on the top step, you get on that top step. And then you grab the handlebars. And then you are expected to hold on for dear life until you make contact with the tennis balls at the end. And then it propels you and sends you into the deep end of the water. Okay? So I'm sitting here and I'm like, that ain't me. I'm not doing that. I'm in the boat still. And I'm like, you guys go. So the first guy goes, he's like, he's insane. He's like an Olympic trial athlete. And he gets up there and does like the thing where he's like, all right, knees up, like cowabunga dude at the end, backflips, lands it perfectly. Everyone's like, there's 10, you know, the whole up the car just say 10 on it. And then everyone looks around. They're like, that's awesome. And then they're like, JD should do it. And all these guys are like, yeah, JD, get up there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to prove myself. And so I'm getting up there, I'm sweating. Again, my arms are weak because the three hours of tubing. Just want to keep, you know, affirming that, that my arms were weak. And so, because of the tubing. So I get up there. The climb is already terrifying enough. And then I grab, you know, they get this like stick and they bring the bars back up to you. And the whole time the cable is like not working. And I grab it and I'm like, yeah. And I'm looking down and I'm like, hey, I don't think I should do it. And they're all like, come on, you can do it, JD. The worst nightmare for a guy like me. And so they're all going, all eyes are on me. 
And in the middle of all the chanting, I hear the mom of the house scream, hey, JD, I thought God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And I'm like, Geronimo! And I go off. But it wasn't like one of those cool, like, go off. It was like one of those, like, you know, like, you go off. And let's just say I was not prepared. My arms lock. I let go. I fall 22 feet, land in a foot of water. Because remember, you're supposed to go out to the deep end. I go unconscious. The water wakes me up. And suddenly I am hearing, screaming all around me. I'm like, what's going on? It's like a bomb went off. I look down, and my toes should be facing up like this. They were facing over there. And I'm like, is that my, you know, whatever. So that happens on the first day of what was supposed to be the best summer of my life. I know, it's sad. You don't always get your colored summers. And that day went from a very high to a very low. That was me. And that guy right there, he was faking it till he was making it. You could take that off. You can get off. Oh, because <laughs> that was a low, low. And what an unexpected tragedy that was. But I think a lot of us are like that guy. I think a lot of us go through life and something hits us unexpectedly. And we're walking here tonight. And there's so many different things represented. We have so many different backgrounds and stories and jobs and gifts and talents and all the things that uniquely make you. But one thing we all share in common is every person is walking in here tonight had experienced an unexpected tragedy. Having experienced something that hurt them, something that has seemed broken or off. You have had something in your life take place that, man, that was, that was so sad. And it was this storm in your life that you did not know what to do with. And I know all of you have experienced unexpected storms because look at last week. I mean, talk about an unexpected storm. And I think a lot of us are like that guy. We're walking here tonight and we're like, thumbs up, foot is facing the other way. We're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm really fine. Although we're not fine. Because when things come in life that we don't expect and when we lose control, we start to freak out. We do not know what to do. We are not necessarily prepared. And I would be naive to think that a lot of you, even just with, I mean, literally, what happened last week, as I was sitting in this like, watching what started off as a fun snow day turn to so much devastation. And tonight, I bet some of you are still experiencing the ramifications of what took place. Some of you still may not be back in your home or back in your office or back in your work. And you weren't ready for that. Texas sure as heck wasn't ready for that. And so that's why tonight we're answering the question, will this storm ever cease? Will this storm ever cease? Because last week I was sitting there alone asking God, what do you want me to, to speak to your people tonight? And I was going down one path, but as I was sitting in the middle of this house with no water, my power is out of my house, I'm staying at a friend's house, I'm sitting there, I was like, man, what an unexpected storm. And I bet a lot of people coming out of 2020, coming into 2021, COVID still going on, mask still being worn, the Fort Worth pile up, I mean, talk about unexpected. That was just a normal day for those people. And as I sat there and watched the tragedy of those videos of trucks just piling and piling, those people were just going to work. And I bet they're asking, what do I do when the storm comes like this? The th that family was going, what do I do when this unexpected tragedy hits? What do we do? When pipes are bursting, when COVID cases are rising, will this storm ever cease? 
And so tonight, I want to look at God's word and see what it has to say to inform us about our storms in life. Because the reality is, this is important. This is why every single one of you need to lean in tonight. Take it from me. Take it from God's word. Take it from people here. You are either walking into a storm, you're walking through a storm, or someone is coming out of a storm. But storms will be a part of your life. How do I know that? God's word says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Key word there, will. Not maybe, not if, will. Will be persecuted. They will have trouble. Why? If God is the all-knowing God, the sovereign God, the God is in control, why does he allow storms to come in our life? Sin the, way, the, the, the moment that it entered into our world, in the beginning of the Bible, sin came, destruction followed. Brokenness came. The storms in your life, the things that we see, are a result of man, what we call man's depravity, or the fall of man. And ever since that original sin in the Garden of Eden, at the beginning of your Bible, we have just watched more and more and more st- storms come because God's like, this is what happens when you don't choose me. This is what happens when you choose yourself, when you choose your flesh. You're going to experience trouble. And more and more storms are going to come. And so just to start off right off the bat, what will this storm ever cease? If right now each of you could come to me and go, hey, here's the storm I'm walking through currently. When do you think it will end? I experienced a breakup. When, When will the heartbreak stop? Or, hey, um, my, my friend got cancer and then ended up dying. Like, when will that pain go away? When will this storm cease? And I just want to start off the bat giving you the answer. The answer is I'm not going to give you an emotionally satisfying answer because I don't know. I don't know. I, I've, I'm searching God's word, and I don't know on this earth when your storm will cease. Tonight, I'm not giving you a yes or no answer. I can tell you that Revelation 21 verse 4 talks about the hope we have in Jesus and his return when he comes back to claim his church, you and I, where he says on that day when Jesus returns, there will be no more weeping, no more mourning, no more pain, no more sickness, and we will be in heaven, we will be in perfection. And that is our hope. That is what we are striving for. That is what we are looking to. That is how we get through the storms that we currently face. But I don't know on earth when your storm will end. And God's word does not say, hey, this is when your storm will end. But what it is full of, full of, is guidance, wisdom principles, and a lot of ways that shows you God's heart for you in the midst of your storm and how you can get through your storm. So tonight I'm redirecting the question, will this storm ever cease? And I know you want the answer. I, want, I know some of you tonight are like, man, I just want to know. This has to end. This has to let up. Will this pandemic ever end? What, I, I want to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm redirecting that question to not when will the storm end, but rather how can we weather the storm? When the storms in life come, how can we weather the storm? And I want to do that through looking at a story in the book of Matthew, a story that I have read many times and maybe you have, you've heard about 
about a disciple who experienced a storm. In chapter 14, we're going to see the heart of Jesus for you in the midst of your storm. Starting in verse 22. Here we go. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he, being Jesus, dismissed the crowds. He had just fed the 5,000 people with the uh, fish and the loaves. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. So Jesus is up on this mountain praying by himself to God. And he sends the disciples. Normally he goes with them, but he sends them off to cross the sea on a ship. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, which is about somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., very dark, very early, he came to them walking on the sea, casual. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter, and I, I love Peter. Every interaction with Peter in, in the book, books of the Bible, I'm just like, I love Peter, he's my guy. But Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, number one, how do we weather the storm? Know who is in control of the storm. Know who is in control of the storm. I want you to look at this part of the story. We're going to just kind of dissect it and go piece by piece. But when the disciples, in verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. At this point, they don't know. They, they can't see through the fog who's walking towards them. They just see a figure like you and I. If I saw someone walking on the sea, I'd be like, hold up. Y'all see that? There's this figure walking towards them on the sea. And they say, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. I mean, can you imagine this moment? Winds are picking up, waves are crashing. They cannot see ahead of them. It is three to six in the morning and suddenly a man is walking on water towards them. And Jesus says, hey, it's I, do not be afraid. First off, I want you to notice something. He did not say, it is I, Jesus, do not be afraid. He just said, it is I, do not be afraid. I would be like, excuse me, uh, who are you? Because I can't see you. And they're kind of just like, Peter's just assumed. He's like, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out. And I'm like, Peter, I would need a little more than that. A little, I'm about to jump into the sea like that. I need a little more assurance it's Jesus. But that's the point I'm about to tell you. Why was Peter so confident? How did Peter know it was Jesus? Because Jesus never explicitly says, it is I, Jesus, do not be afraid. It's because Peter knew Jesus. Peter had been with Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus move in his life. Peter had seen Jesus perform miracles. 
Peter had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. Peter knew the power that Jesus possessed. Peter saw Jesus as Lord. Peter had a right view of Jesus. Peter saw Jesus as in control. How do I know that? Look what he says. Lord, if it is you, command me. Don't ask me, command me to come to you on the water. And the Lord simply said, come. And we see Peter get out of the boat. What courage that must have taken. We've all jumped into a body of water before. We know what it feels like to jump into a pool and feel the water go all around us and form around our body because that's what water does. It's not solid. Imagine what it must have been like. Like, was Peter like this? Did he jump? Did the disciples hold his arm? Did he lean? Like, I think I would have been more like one of these, you know, like feeling it. But something, something gave him the courage to step out of that boat and onto those waves. There's only one answer. He knew who was in control of those waves. He knew Jesus. And Jesus didn't even have to say clearly, it is I, because Peter knew the sound of his voice. Because Peter had been with him. He recognized him. He trusted him. I was just thinking during worship, it was like when my dad would lose me and my brother, like say we're at a fair or that sounds like a bad dad. When my dad would like, you know, let us go off in the distance and we were getting too far. He had this like, I don't know if it's like an East Texas thing, but like he would like whistle with both of his fingers in his mouth. I can't do it. But it was so loud in the midst of all of these people, I would somehow hear it immediately stop like a lab and turn around. And he loved it. He was like, you know, <laughs> he loved it. Because he loved kind of having this thing with his sons or it was like our thing. Like, hey, if you're getting too far off, hear the sound of my whistle, come back. I didn't have to question. I didn't think, oh, there's some other dad out there who knows how to whistle like that. I'm like, that's my dad. That is my dad's whistle. And I better turn around and get back to him. Because I knew my dad. I knew his call. In the same way, Peter knew who was in control. He knew his Jesus, he knew his friend, he knew his Lord. And when you know Jesus, when you see Jesus as in control of the storm around you, you start to have a different response to the storms in your life. Because no longer are the storms dictating your view of Jesus, Jesus is dictating your view of your storms. And when Jesus dictates the view of your storms, your response to the storms in your life starts to look a lot different. No more are you sitting back on your heels going, I hope the next thing doesn't hit. Oh my gosh, what if something else happens? What if this pandemic just keeps on going and going? What if another snowstorm hits? Oh my gosh, what if, what if I get cancer? Or what if something happens to me? Or what if, what if, what if? You don't have to live like that because you know who's in control of the storm. You don't have to sit back in the boat and hide and say, oh my gosh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. It's a ghost, it's a ghost, and so much is happening. Why is there a ghost walking on the water? What is going on? It is too early for this. You're not like that. You're like, Lord, if it's you, command me out. And if it's really you, I'm coming. Peter was willing to step out of the boat because he knew who was in control of the storm. 
Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions, many are the storms, many are the persecuting things, many are the sufferings that we face, the trials that we face. They are many. This world is very, very broken. I don't need to remind you of that. You can see it everywhere, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Peter was like, sink or swim. If it's you, Lord, and you call me out, I'm going because I know you're in control. How? How could he know? How, I mean, how can he know that he knows that he knows that Jesus will show up? That he'll actually be able to walk on water? How can we know that in the storms of life, Jesus will actually show up? Maybe because something happened to you and you prayed and prayed and prayed, like, God, would you take away that sickness or God, would you heal them from the cancer or God, would you show up in this way? And you prayed and prayed and prayed and he didn't seem to show up in your life. So you don't know how to trust him anymore. Or maybe you went through something really, really hard right after you surrendered your life to Christ and started doing the whole God thing. Maybe you went through an extreme breakup or you lost a lot of friends and you're like, man, if this is what look, looking like to follow Jesus, I don't want any part of it. Jesus doesn't show up. He leaves you there. He drowns you. I'm not stepping out of that boat. How did Peter know? The answer is Peter had faith. I want to talk for a second about faith. Because I think there are so many questions that hold us back from seeing that Jesus is in control of the storm. We want to take control because we don't actually know the Jesus who's in control. And what about this? And what if I don't make enough money? I have to pick the right job and I have to uh, find the right person. I have to find the one because this and that. And then I have to get the house and then I want to have security. And then this and that and the 401k. And, and what if, what if, what if, take control, take control. Because I don't really actually know that the, the Jesus that's in control. I don't know what it's like to have faith. Therefore, I operate in fear. So what is faith? Because I think faith is the answer that allowed Peter to step out of that boat. And here's what Hebrews says, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Peter could not clearly see Jesus. Therefore, it required this thing called faith to step out of the boat and respond to the call on his life. In the same way, when the waves are crashing in your life, when the unexpected takes place, when the storm takes place in your life, you may not be able to clearly see what Jesus is doing. But that's where faith gets to intersect with your reality. And a person of great faith is a person of great action. They say, I'm coming out because I have faith that you are who you say you are. And Jesus, if it's you, you, the one who's in control of this storm, if it's you calling me out of this boat, I will come every single time. Because faith is the assurance of what we hope for. We place all of our hope in you, Jesus, the one who's in control. And it's the assurance of the things that we do not see. Therefore, I do not focus on the things that I can see. The storm raging around me, my circumstances, all of those hard things that you're going through, we can't focus on that. We have to focus and place our faith and hope in Jesus because he's the only one who can get us through. If you try to step out of that boat and onto your storm with anything else, you are sure to sink. You can't do it. No money can do it for you. No job can do it for you. No person can do it for you. You will sink eventually. The only thing that can allow you to walk on water in the midst of your storm 
is to know the one who's in control, and it's Jesus. And I want to wrap up this point with saying, I think a lot of us, what holds us back, we get to the boat, we see the storm, and we see, we're like, okay, is that Jesus? Is that Jesus in the middle of the storm? Can I really trust him? Can I really step out and be with Jesus in this really hard thing? Because it's really, really hard. Is he really going to show up? And I think a lot of us are actually afraid to ask Jesus, hey, if it's you, command me to come out of the boat and walk to you because we are afraid that he might actually say come. He might actually ask you to do it. A lot of us want the storm. We don't want Jesus to tell us to come to him in the storm. We want Jesus to just to get rid of the storm. And that tells me if you don't want, if you just want Jesus to get rid of the storm, you don't want to be with Jesus in the storm. You have a wrong view of the storm because Jesus is in control of it and wants to use it in your life. He uses storms for a greater purpose. He uses that really hard thing for a greater purpose. He's just wanting you to come. You have to get out of the boat if you're going to see the way that he wants to use that storm in your life. If you want to walk on water in faith, you have to be willing to get out of the boat of comfort. The boat of fear. The boat of anxiety. You have to step out and say, if it's you, tell me to come. And when he says come, you have to go. If you want to see a great work, if you want to see Jesus move in your life, you have to be willing to get out of the boat. And I think a lot of us are afraid. He might call you to give up that addiction in faith. He might call you to break up with that person in faith. He might call you to stay in that storm and that really hard thing to have a greater dependency on him in faith. He might call you to move somewhere or to quit that job or to join a church and become a member. He might call you to do that thing. So a lot of us sit back and we're like, I think I'm okay in the boat. Even if that's Jesus, I don't want him because you're afraid of the cost. You're afraid of what he'll do with you in that storm. You're afraid that he might actually say, come, step into the storm and I am with you because we don't actually know the Jesus who's in control. But if you would trust, if you would put your faith in that Jesus and say, sink or swim, I'm coming, watch what he will do. You will walk on the water. You will see him move. Your pain will start to turn to a greater purpose. He works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's what he does. That's who he is. But he needs you to move in faith, to trust him, to see that he is in control and watch what he'll do. Thank you. (laughs) Which leads me to point two. When you step out in faith, When you start to walk on water, it does not mean that the storm will cease. It does not mean that the storms of life will stop. He does not promise you that. The storms did not stop for Peter, because what we see next in the chapter, how to weather the storm, number two, keep your eyes on Jesus, not on the storm. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't just see Jesus and then come, but keep your eyes on Jesus and do not focus on the storm. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Or why did you fear? And I want you to notice something key here. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was then afraid and then he began to sink. Part of the reason why you feel like your storms are overbearing and that you'll never see the end and you feel like you're drowning in the pit of despair 
and that you, you are enslaved to something and it just, you have no control, you see no light, you are just drowning further and sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. It's because at some point you forgot who was in control and you got back in the driver's seat of your life. And like I said, it never works. And at some point, something happened to you. That old person popped back up in your DMs, took your eyes off Jesus, looked at them, sinks. At some point, you lost your job unexpectedly, but was once a thriving and abiding relationship with Jesus. Suddenly, I don't think Jesus is very good. Eyes off Jesus, you begin to sink. And it doesn't happen overnight. But at some point, you stopped seeing Jesus as in control and you took your eyes off Jesus and you gave control to something else in your life and the result is that you have been drowning ever since. You can't just have this aha moment of faith and one day prayer, sinner's prayer, and be like, okay, I'm stepping out in faith and then walk and walk and then just fall off and go back into your world. You will sink. And so how do we remain in this posture with Jesus? John 15, five would say, do this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I remember when I first became a Christian after my freshman year of college, I was on this mountain high, stepping out of the boat, walking on water experience, and then some waves started to go in my life. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I thought following God meant hashtag blessed, love, peace, mercy, free from all this crap. Why is this still happening? Because boom, God called me to change my major, lost my scholarship. Boom, girlfriend of two years, we got to break up. Boom, dad gets terminal cancer. Boom, 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 storm, wave, wave, wave. And at some point I began to think, you know what? God, you're clearly not in control of my life. Therefore, I'm taking back the reins of my own life. And I began to sink and drown and drown and drown. Because at some point I believed that he was no longer in control, but you have to keep the faith. The same faith that called you out of the boat is the same faith that keeps you above the water because that faith is fixed on Jesus. It does not look to the left or to the right. It looks at Jesus. And so how do we do that? It looks like daily abiding. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, when you look away from me, you can do nothing. You're sure to sink. And so guys, we say this all the time, but I forget it. Abiding daily with Christ. Waking up, praying. Don't go to social media and scroll, scroll, scroll and start to fill your mind with comparison and all that junk. Wake up, pray, begin to open up God's word and daily read it, learn from it. Be around God's people, abiding and talking about the things of God. Ask yourself right now, just do a self-examination. Where are my eyes? Where am I abiding? Am I locked in? Am I on mission? Am I doing the things of Christ? Does my life bear the fruit and the aroma of Christ? Or does it look like you're drowning? Do you feel like you're sinking? At what point, at what point did you believe that he was no longer in control? At what point did you believe that you no longer needed him? Because I think a lot of times we start to walk on water, start to fill ourselves like Beyonce. We're walking out, we're like, look at me, a man of faith, I've got this. 
And then boom, boom, boom. Unexpected pregnancy, boom. Lost my job, boom. Parents divorce, boom. That ex popped back up, boom. That person broke up with me. Storm, storm, storm. Oh gosh, this isn't what I signed up for. Back to my old ways, sink, sink, sink. And you might need to be here tonight to hear this. You have been drowning and trying to hold yourself above water for far too long. And it's time to remember the same Jesus who called you out of the boat and into a relationship with him is the same Jesus who is with you in the storm. And he wants you back. But you gotta abide with him. You gotta keep your eyes fixed on him. When following Christ, we are called to gaze at Jesus and glance at our storms. You, you don't have to act like they're not there. You can look at them and say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. You see the waves and the winds picking up? I'm trusting you. But where we get in trouble is when the storms come in life, we start to gaze at our storms and glance at Jesus. Okay, yeah, I'll read a Devo every now and then, but let me go focus on this over here at my own agenda now. I'm in control again. Okay, yeah, I'll pray or I'll go to the porch every now and then. That's not it. You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you weather the storm. And I'll wrap up with this. The beauty of this story is that we are the Peter. We are the men, of, and, the men and women who at one point, and maybe this isn't you tonight, but at one point, you might have been the disciples who stayed back on the ship, but at one point, a lot of us in here tonight said, I'm making that step of faith. But the reality is, is every single one of us tonight at one point have taken our eyes off Jesus and you will again take your eyes off Jesus and you will sink and you will get it wrong because you're sinful. I'm gonna get it wrong because I'm sinful. But the story does not end here. Let's finish the story. But when, Jesus, or when, but when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The beauty of this story is that it's yours and I's story. This is the story of our Savior. This is the story of what we call the good news, the gospel. I want you to think about this moment. Peter comes and is walking on water. The winds begin to rise, like I said, and he looks over, begins to sink. And I think a lot of us, when we don't read our Bible anymore, we go back to that ex who's no good for us, and when we make that mistake again, or we go back to our pornography, or we have that really bad night that we said we'd never do again, and when we begin to sink, we think that God is like, told you so. What did I tell you? Yeah, stay down, learn your lesson. I told you, man, you gotta keep your eyes on me. Don't you remember, I'm the one in control, what are you doing? That's how we think God is. But that's not what we see here. That's not the heart of our savior. That's not the heart of Jesus. What does he do? The moment Peter begins to sink, he says, Lord, save me. And it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and picked him up and he saved him. Peter didn't have to walk on shifty ground or solid ground. He got to be held in the arms of Jesus. Jesus was the one walking. Peter needed to be carried back to the boat. And that's our story. We were all born 
in this world on this ship, floating on the sea of sin. Sin everywhere, coming to us like a storm, crashing against us. And then Jesus comes down from heaven onto earth. And a lot of us are like, what is that? But the disciples were like, it's a ghost. We're like, who is this? What's this relationship with Jesus? Who's this person that's powerful enough to walk on the storms, walk on sin, defeat sin? Because that's what Jesus did. He came down on earth and he died on the cross. And we've talked about this before. He paid for the sins of the world. He lived a perfect life, making him the perfect sacrifice in a way that you and I never could because our sin deserved death. But Jesus came and died so that we could live. We bring our nothing and get everything because of Jesus but we're the Peter. Jesus invites us to come. Come in your sin. Come join me. I'm with you. This is why I'm here. And we begin to walk and step out into relationship with him. And we look at Jesus and we're like, this is amazing. But then that habit creeps back up, that sin creeps back up. And even though Jesus was so faithful, and even though there were such sweet moments, and even though we, we remember kind of how good it felt to, to take that step and to feel the solid ground that was following Jesus in the midst of such a stormy life. You remember that high experience at that camp. You remember what it was like to trust Jesus. You remember what it's like to be a part of that Bible study, that thing. And, and if you haven't, beginning that step, is the best decision you can ever make. But here's the reality. We're going to get it wrong and eventually your sin is going to come and you're going to take your eyes off Jesus. But the beauty of the cross, the beauty that Jesus died and then three days later rose again, made him, made his blood, the atonement, the payment for our sin. So that way when we sin and we're heading towards death and drowning, we get to say, Jesus, save me. And he is there every time to pick us up. And tonight he's asking us the same question he asked Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You've seen me move. Don't you remember when I called you out of the boat? Don't you remember when I showed up in your life and I was faithful? Why are you running? Why are you settling and drowning? Why are you trying to take control? You know you don't have control. And he's picked you up and he's carried you back. And the beauty of this story is that it's not about the storm, it's not about the faith of Peter or the fear that led Peter to drown. It's about the goodness of Jesus. Because Jesus is the hero of this story. Peter sunk. Jesus saved. He picked him up and he carried him back. And if you would let your story be that story tonight, I'm honestly the guy who gets it wrong. I'm the girl who's going to make mistakes. I'm the control freak. I'm the one that takes my eyes off Jesus. But listen, that's the point. Jesus is there to pick me up every time and carry me back to the boat. If you would let that be your story and stop trying to convince the world that you're fine when you're drowning and you know it, the world's gonna look at that and be like, what is that? The same way the disciples looked at Peter as Jesus brought him back to the boat, sat him down and calmed the storm. And what did they do? They fell on their knees and they worshiped and they said, truly, you are the son of God. When Jesus came on the scene, we hear him referred to as behold, the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
when the disciples saw Jesus who was in control of the storm and the Jesus who was willing to pick up Peter though he took his eyes off of him and carry him back to safety and cause the storm to cease, their response was to worship. And tonight, may our response be the same. In your storms of life, your response can be the same, not because you stepped out of the boat, but because Jesus is there to save you when you get it wrong. That's why we worship. That's why we gather to remind each other that we need Jesus. When will the storm cease? I don't know. But I do know that Jesus is in control of the storm and he is with you in the storm and he is working your storm out for a greater good and for a purpose unique to you for your story to declare to the world, don't look at me, look at Jesus carrying me, saving me. And the response to that should be to worship. Let's pray. Father, we worship you for being the one who's in control. And when we think we have control and we begin to sink, you are the one who picks us up every time. May that character of you, that you don't leave us to drown on our own, but you pick us up and you carry us back, although we're imperfect and although we're unworthy, you say, hey, that's why I'm here. That's why I've called you, so you can greater see your need for me, so you can greater understand your need for me to pick you up time and time again, and I'm always gonna be here with you in the storm. You don't have to worry when the storm will end, because whether the storm ends or whether it begins, I am the same, I am with you, I am here, I am the Jesus who is in control. And may that understanding of the control that you possess lead to such a faith in this room that we say, I don't wanna stay in the boat, I just wanna be where Jesus is and we step out of the boat and we be people, men and women of faith. Says Jesus, whatever it looks like, I'm ready. If you say, come, I'm going, I'm jumping in. But when I sink, I know, I know, I have faith that you will pick me up every single time. Thank you for being that kind of Lord for us tonight. And every night, it's your name that I pray, amen.